I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, and welcome to Penguins Lunch, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host as always, Nick Berlansky, and joining me today is a friend that I've gotten the opportunity to talk with a couple of times, but it's been a while since I've renewed acquaintances with this gentleman. You can hear him on intermission reports for the Penguins Radio Network, Brian Metzer. Metz, how's it going today? I'm good. It's great to be back with you, Nick. And you're leaving out the post-game show and Saturday mornings and all of that. But no, your Penguins Radio Network is definitely the home. And thanks for having me back. It's been a while, like you said, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you. There are too many places to count, Mets. We can find you <laughs> everywhere. It's, you know, it's it's differed over the years, too. So, I mean, we're closing in. I think this is year 16 or 17 covering the pens for me. So it just it's hard to remember sometimes what's going on. Yeah, people always forget there's the core of Crosby, Malkin, Latang, <laughs> Metzer. Yeah, it's just right on there as a path. And they brought me back too. So everybody got a new deal this year. The Penguins kept me. So yeah, I'm back. We're looking for one more Stanley Cup as a member of the uh, Penguins Radio Network. Yeah, we got to love it, man. So the way we start out all of these Penguins lunches is by asking, what is your favorite lunch spot in the city of Pittsburgh? Oh, it's a very good question. I, um, I'm trying to think. I, I kind of used to go to, there was a downtown whenever I was working there years ago, there was Sammy's where you can get the corned beef sandwich. Mm-hmm. It was a cold corned beef with, with coleslaw. It was really good. Um, but that's a long time ago. And then I would say these days, um, I don't often have time to take like a true lunch. So sometimes yeah. I like to where my, where my office is for my other job is near it's in Sharpsburg. So sometimes I pop over to Labriola's in Aspinwall and get some Italian goods, maybe a sandwich or, you know, pepperoni bread or something that's totally heart healthy and good for you. But uh, I would say those two, but uh, there's so many good places to eat in Pittsburgh and I didn't want to give you the same old, same old. So I came up with those two. Well, luckily enough, I think this is the sixth episode of Penguins Lunch. We do it every other week (laughs) and we have yet to get the same place twice. So this is what I like to hear. I like the differences and everything that uh, that comes up. So that way we can build a nice list for Penguins fans who, who head in four games this season, but Nick, let's get do you go the... and try that. Do you try them out? I just wanted to ask you that quick. Do you go and try the places once if you've never, if you haven't had them? See, I've only been to Pittsburgh once yeah. since I started doing this and it was there to, <laughs> to do training camp. So I had yeah. no time whatsoever, but gotcha. I definitely have the list on the side and I Next will definitely visit. be going 
when I have time, I will definitely be checking out awesome. a lot of these places that uh, that I've been told about. But let's get into the Penguins talk a little bit because we are eight days away from the puck drop against the Arizona Coyotes, of course. And when you look at this Penguins lineup, it seems like it's finally starting to take shape. And we always mention the fact that a third line has been integral for success for the Penguins during the Crosby and Malkin era. You can go back to 09 with Stahl, Cook, and Kennedy. You can go back to 2016 with HBK. Now, I'm not saying that we see that similar vibe from this third line, but despite having a rough year last year, Kasperi Kapanen did find some chemistry with Jeff Carter. Why do you think that duo works so well? I just think Jeff Carter meshes with with a lot of players well. Being a veteran, he's played with a number of different guys over the course of his career, and especially at this point, there's not a whole lot of ego there. And when I say that, it might be there off the ice, but when you're when you're talking about and when just him with his career, I mean, but when you look at him as a player, he doesn't he's not going to cry about not getting top 6 minutes or something like that. So he's he's not shy about helping a young player, whereas sometimes a guy in his late 20s or mid 20s may not want to help a younger player. Well, I think Jeff Carter is now kind of like the grandfather of this team, which we've had a number of of those over the years. He's slotted into that role. I know that He's not that much older than the core here, but he still is a little bit older than the Sid and the Gino and Chris Letang. So when you look at it that way, I think he's just kind of embraced that leadership, mentorship role on this roster. The biggest problem for me is, Nick, we've not seen it in the preseason because Jeff Carter hasn't really mm-hmm. been available yet. So that's my biggest concern with that combination is how's it going to come together just based on the fact that they haven't had a chance to work through any game action uh, with Jeff being, you know, a little bit, a little bit banged up during the preseason. But I I think it's a big key for Casperi this year. Yeah. And Carter mentioned it in his post game or post practice press conference. I should say yesterday, he said, it'd be nice to get a couple more games in before the season started, but you're, you're dealing with the hand that's dealt to you. And he missed a couple of couple of days of practice and a couple of games of camp, but for Casperi Kapanen, the question really is, can he bounce back this season? Do you think that with the new contract in term, with the new, it seems like, lease on life that he has towards the game and the new position on that bottom six, maybe on that penalty kill, do you think he'll bounce back this year? I, I like that they're using him on the PK, to be honest. that's I know I think we talked about this maybe in one of the first times we got together for one of these conversations. Kapanen did kill penalties when he was a member of the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And Phil Bork gave me a funny stat, and I, I didn't look this up at the time, but he just threw it out again now, that Kasperi Kapanen had more shorthanded goals than he did power play goals early in his career because he was getting that chance with the Leafs, and he d- never got PK t- or PP time based on all the bodies they had uh, that were, you know, in the top six roles. So I think he is primed for a bounce back. I I know that he really shouldered the burden of not having a good year last year. It wasn't lost on him. He knew it. Uh, The Penguins were not shy about letting him know it as well. I had a chance to hear Brian Burke talk about that contract. A couple weeks ago, we had a, a radio affiliate meeting and he addressed everybody and he took questions from that group of radio affiliate people. And that was one big question many of them had was Kasperi Kapanen. Why did you give him this contract? Why did you bring him back? And he said they they know he did not live up to the contract before, but they're giving him one more chance to do it. They believe in his talent. They believe that he has the speed and the skill to be a successful member of this team. Mm-hmm. And Brian Burke really endorsed him having a good year. Now, if he convinced Berkey, and this is no knock on Kasperi. If there's a player that Brian Burke would be down on for one reason or another, it, you could probably make a, a bullseye on Kasperi Kapanen and saying, you know, this young flamboyant guy, he's not going to really pay attention to doing what he needs to do on the ice. Well, he he pretty much said, you know, I, I believe in him and I know he's going to have a good year. So I hope he's right. 
because if not, he will be the first guy criticized in the media. Everyone's going to tear him to shreds based on the salary that he's bringing. Penguins can't afford a $3 million mistake with Kasperi Kapanen when they are up against the salary cap the way they are. But I I think he's looked good enough in camp, and I think he's going to do whatever he needs to do to have a successful season. I know early in camp and when I was there, especially everybody was talking about, oh, well, Kasperi Kapanen looks good again early on, but he looked good early on last year. He always does. (laughs) The bright lights turn on October 13th. So we'll see if he can continue that pace this year, which he wasn't able to do last year. But somebody else that has caught people's attention during training camp, still up with the uh, NHL roster is Sam Poulin. He's been welcomed as a surprise at this year's camp. I mean, Sullivan said that he is, quote, light years ahead of where he was last season. Do you think that he makes this team out of training camp? There's about four cuts remaining. It seems like he could be one of those cuts. But do you think that there's a chance that Poulin has impressed enough to be there on October 13th. He's certainly forcing their their hand at this point, based on what he's done. Uh, from the earliest moments of the preseason games, uh, he went out and he set up a tying goal uh, late in the first Columbus game a couple Sundays ago. He mm-hmm. was uh, noticeable all, all afternoon that day. His speed looks better than it ever was, because if you recall, uh, the listeners will know this as well, but the knock on him was his skating. He always has had some pedigree around the net. He could score goals and he was a very good Meyer or junior league hockey player. But how would that, that skating translate? Well, he looks like he's worked on it in the off season. So that's good. And then now I think what the biggest eye opener for me was Nick was the fact that he was still here and Drew O'Connor got sent down because Mm -hmm. everybody pretty much anointed Drew O'Connor as being a member of the team last year. And they couldn't believe, you know, he wasn't getting a longer look. I know he had had his lung issue and then, um, there were cap issues late in the season, but when you look at this, this entire organization, Drew O'Connor was, you know, squarely ahead of Sam Poulin. And now, uh, I would say that the, the young first round pick is certainly prime for a chance. He's looked good. Every time I've gotten a chance to watch him, he's looked good in camp. And I think that, I mean, the, the thing that might happen early just to get cap compliant is he might get sent down, but I would not be be surprised if they find a way to bring him right back he's looked really good and i will say the biggest change flipping him from the wing to center because Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing a great job on the wing for whatever reason but he got placed at the center position and it was like the light bulb went off for him he looked like a different player and i'm really excited to see him kind of mature and if he ends up being a really good bottom six center i know he's a first round draft pick but you still need to fill that role I think Mm -hmm. that would be very good for this organization because they haven't had a whole lot of first round picks, let alone guys that have made this roster. So having him step into some some capacity in the bottom six and do so effectively and still chip in maybe some goals and assists, I think that would be very good. Okay, so Mets, there's nothing that makes Mike Sullivan salivate more than a forward that can go from wing to center, first line to fourth line and four checks and protects the puck. It seems like Sam Poulin's checking all those boxes. So if he can do that, Mike Sullivan is going to have a field day putting him in the lineup later in the season. You're exactly right. I mean, Mike Sullivan and the Penguins organization as a whole now, going back a couple coaches before him, this organization, and maybe it was a Shiro thing when he came, but they love players and it's been ingrained in this organization to do what you just said. They can play anywhere. They have that chameleon-like ability to, to play any position, any role. If you recall, guys like Matt Cullen would be in the bottom six, and then a, you'd lose a guy on your top line. Cullen would flip up and play on the top line. Uh, UC Jokinen was that way. A lot of different players over the years, and I think Poulin is a guy now that is showing all of that. He, he is checking the boxes. He's got the offensive upside, and he's not made a lot of 
big time gaffes that, that you would think from a young player that I think were evident in the past. And that's why he's still here in camp. I think they do believe he could be a player on this roster. And if you have a Bluger out, if you have a Carter who's banged up, there's certainly an opening for him. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's something to consider as well. If Teddy's by chance, not ready, maybe he takes a week or so on IR and you give uh, Poulin a longer look. Now, I do want to toss this to a listener question. We have Brandon, who always tunes in every single time for Penguins Lunch. He says, hey, Nick, back again. Love the show. Question is, why is everybody giving Josh Archibald the hate? He's kind of a player that who's the bee buzzing around and can get under the skin like Mark Friedman. So why do you think that not everybody's really talking about Josh Archibald? Yet, he's still there with camp to this point where there's only a couple cuts left to make. Well, he's got a couple things that work against him before the season even started retread people usually don't like the retreads that come back in the bottom six role anyway that's mm-hmm. kind of why people cringed when they heard that dominic simone turned down a, a, a pto with the team everyone was like is this guy coming back again but i will say this i think it was just because he's not really been healthy the last year or so he had that long like he had that covid situation that held him out of the lineup but there were times where he played with Connor McDavid, believe it or not, when he was in Edmonton. Mike Sullivan's been very familiar with Josh Archibald going back to his first tenure with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I will say this. He is always among the leaders in hits on whatever team he's on. That's something that the Penguins have been lacking since they lost Zach Aston Reese. I know Zar wasn't going out and doing everything that we anticipated when he came to the organization. But Josh Archibald can do everything that Zar did, plus maybe even score a little bit. Because he just showed that in his last preseason game. He can throw pucks to the net. He was very evident. And I think that if not for Josh Archibald's presence, Drake Kajula might have made this team. Mm -hmm. But Kajula was a cut a couple days back before that preseason game. Archibald got that last um, audition. And so I think in terms of why he's being maligned, that's probably just stuff people were surprised to see him brought back in because they Mm -hmm. wanted other players. For me, he's opened eyes. He's looked every bit like a player that could be a good fit in the Penguins' bottom six. And so uh, I think that that talk of ripping him and saying he shouldn't be here is going to change. And you'll see Archibald really become a, a contributing member as long as he stays healthy. Something else that stood out, I love the way that he kind of agitated last game as well, a couple of the opposing players. And then I think it was Vrana went at him. Uh, in the Detroit game, and he just laughed in his face. Brana went to the penalty box. A little bit later, Archibald's on the score sheet. He's doing all these different little things that you want from your bottom six players. So I think that's a good thing. So I, I don't think that the uh, the maligning of Josh, Josh Archibald will continue much longer. Yeah, I tend to agree where it's more of the fact of people saying, oh, wait, that's right, we have Josh Archibald, where early in camp you heard, oh, Drew O'Connor has his fitness level really good. Redeem Zahorna, who was claimed off waivers from the Flames, had a really good fitness level, was looking great. Same thing with Drake Kajula over the past week. Then he gets sent down, and and everybody's looking. They're like, wait, Josh Archibald's here. Nobody has said anything. He just kind of has come in, put his head down, done the work, and the Penguins have taken notice, and that's why he's stuck around this much. Yep. I think you're exactly right. And and really that's the biggest thing too. I think people thought he was blocking younger players. You bring this vet in, he's, he's nothing special. He's just a run of the mill bottom six player. Well, you need some of those penguins had a lot of the same kind of guy last year that they tried to build a bottom six out of whenever they traded Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone. When you look, when you saw those two guys go say what you want about them, the, the line, the bottom six wasn't the same without them. Uh, It just looked different. I think they lost a little bit of something there and the players that were put in their stead didn't step up. So I think Josh Archibald gives them a a veteran player 
He's been around the block. He's played on a, a few different hockey teams now. Uh, he knows this organization. And Mike Sullivan knows him, and everybody knows that. If Sully has a trust with the player, he's going to get a look, and he's going to get the opportunity. And Josh Archibald has earned that in this camp. I thought he's been very evident. He's, he's been noticeable, and maybe a little bit more so than some of these other guys. Because one quick note, you mentioned Zahorna. That probably could have been a job that could have been his. Um, but the reason why he... Mike's, make no mistake, Mike Sullivan did not want to lose Redeem Zahorna. They really liked him as a player. However, he had opportunities in this in this training camp. He got a lot of preseason action. He had a couple games where he was in the penalty box too much. He didn't necessarily use his size as much as we would have anticipated. So I think that made him a bubble player. And Josh Archibald was able to sneak past him. And now Zahorna is a member of the Calgary Flames because of it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm joined here by Brian Metzer, who is a Penguins writer and host for the Penguins Radio Network here on Penguins Lunch with eight days until the puck drops on the 2022-23 season. But Mets, with that short amount of time until puck drop, Penguins still have nine NHL caliber defensemen out there. So what is gonna what's gonna give here? We heard that P.O. Joseph was shopped to all 31 teams at some point this summer. So how do you see this this defense and this blue line playing out here with eight days to go? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, we kept anticipating a trade from the time that the trades were last made because first you saw Ty Smith brought in. Then you saw Petrie brought in and it's like, okay, well, they didn't clear the log jam. They changed up the look of it a little bit. Um, and and I, I think that it's an interesting scenario because they believe in Ty Smith. That's why they brought him in. I think they want him to be in their lineup, probably more so than POJ at this point, just because for whatever reason, I don't know that he is, has the belief level from this management group that was there with the Jim Rutherford management group. So that's just as big a part of it as anything. He wasn't their guy. And sometimes whenever you have that, not my guy philosophy, it makes, makes you think maybe we need to try and move this kid. But if you don't have a taker, he's too good a prospect to just uh, lose in some other, in some other way. So he'll probably get another opportunity before this is said and done. But I, I still anticipate at some point, maybe a Pedersen gets moved. I'm surprised he didn't get moved over the summer. I mean, his name was in trade rumors just as much as anybody's. And for whatever reason, it just never came to pass. And for me, as much as I like him, because he has size and he's got a strong stick and his offensive game has started to mature and grow, he still leaves you shaking your head defensively sometimes. And he has those moments in front of the net where he just loses a guy. And it's usually the guy that's scoring a goal as he looks to the heavens in, in you know, dismay. So I, I think he's probably somebody to keep an eye on. 
but the waiver, uh, the waiver situation is going to be interesting because they've got to get their lineup in order here and they're not going to keep nine guys on the roster. They're just not. So that said, maybe a phantom injury pops up. And when I say that it may not even be phantom. This is the Pittsburgh Penguins we're talking about. And there is a preseason game left to play. So (laughs) someone could get hurt and they're going to say, well, you're on IR for 10 days and you're going to give us a chance to figure this out, but something's got to be done soon because Really, I think the top four is or top three for sure is solidified with Dumo, Latang, Petrie under Latang on the right side, probably Marcus Pedersen on the left, and then the rest is kind of throw the cards in the air and see. Uh, Friedman's looked like Friedman in the preseason. Ruedel, I don't think he deserves to lose his job, but the numbers are against him as well. Ty Smith is somebody I believe in, and, and POJ is somebody we know has has upside. So. I'm really glad, and I kind of tiptoed around your question. I'm glad I don't have to make the decision, Mm -hmm. but I I think at this point you're going to end up seeing the four I mentioned with Patterson, Ty Smith, and probably Ruedel, or um, or, uh, I left Jan Ruda out altogether because I keep forgetting we even have him. He's going to have that job. So Ruda will be on the right side. The top three on the right will be that, and then the left is just a mishmash with Ruedel and, and Friedman being the extras. I'm glad you brought that up because honestly, right now I'm in the midst of writing an article that is <laughs> Jan Ruda has been invisible, which yes. is good for Penguins <laughs> training camp. I, I, yeah, I've been forgetting about him since the Penguins brought him in just yeah. because, I mean, he that's kind of the player he was with all of his teams. I know he gets maligned a little bit himself. People think that he was the product of playing with good partners over the course of his career, and that's why he was a solid player on winning teams. But uh, I think that his size is something that's going to be a, a good thing to watch. He's physical enough. And the Penguins' right side at this point is probably as good as any in the National Hockey League with Latang, Petrie, and Ruda. The difference here in Pittsburgh is Ruda's not being asked to be a top pairing defenseman mm-hmm. like he was when he played with someone like Victor Hedman. Here, he's probably your number five or six guy, and that's perfectly fine for this team. Mm-hmm. I'd be remiss, Mets, if I didn't ask about Mario Lemieux because it is – the man's 57th birthday today. So I want to ask you, (laughs) what is your favorite memory of Lemieux? It can be on the ice, off the ice. Just what is your favorite memory when you hear the name Mario Lemieux? Well, I don't know. You probably know this just from following me over the years and interacting with me, but I absolutely revere Mario Lemieux. I mean, to Mm me, he is regal. I mean, he is just royalty in Pittsburgh. Um, I will never forget the five goals, five different ways. Listening to that at my grandmother's house, I used to see my dad on the weekends and he lived with her. We were listening on the radio uh, whenever he did that. I didn't get to see it, but I, I listened to it and it was awesome. Uh, but I would say still my favorite Mario moment um, and, and just because of the magnitude of it and everything that happened was him scoring the goal against the Blackhawks in game one of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we were watching that game and I think I probably leaped up and bang my head on the ceiling of a room I was in because we were going so nuts over it. But when you look at Mario as a whole, it's so hard to quantify the impact on the game of hockey, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh in general, uh, for what he's been able to do and to just have a chance to actually interact with him a couple of times over the years during my tenure working for the, the radio network and covering the team has just been um, you know, a dream come true for me as somebody that grew up rooting for Mario. I always say he's the best salesman that the National Hockey League could ever have because mm-hmm. if you wanted to teach somebody how awesome hockey could be and, and get them involved in watching it, show them highlight reels of Mario because he could do things that nobody else could do. And that's what he did to a nine-year-old me when he arrived in Pittsburgh. It was showed off all of this stuff, all these crazy moves and goals and throwing up points and scoring from everywhere. I mean, just when you see the size, the grace, the power, everything about his game, it, it was just 
just amazing to watch. And he was an even better person off the ice. I know he has his critics out there when he was young. He didn't, you know, he wouldn't, he didn't want to put himself out there. And and he was a tougher quote at the time. Mario is one of the best things, if not the best thing that's ever happened to this organization. He's a philanthropist and just such a great human being. And I know I'm like really going overboard here, but really when you think about that guy, uh, it's like I said, the best salesman for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the NHL and for being a good human being. So it's just really cool to see the give back and his, his want to stay in Pittsburgh and have that give back and overcoming some of the things he has in his career, 80%, 70%, 60% of Mario Lemieux is better than just about any player in the league. And uh, we got to witness that time and time again. One of my greatest failures is not being born early enough to watch his entire career. <laughs> like you, and I can't it's not handle a failure that. though. It's not well, a failure. I can. So that's that's how good he is, though. He makes you think, man. If only I was born earlier, and I could have watched parents, all of this. Man, blame your parents. They I gotta got to get. Yeah, you could have got going earlier. Maybe you know what? You got to take it up with God and say, hey, why didn't you put me in the queue earlier, man? I needed to be on <laughs> Earth. Thankfully, we have YouTube, so we can go back and watch that. But no, I, I think it's it's no understatement to say that everything the Pittsburgh Penguins and their fans have, they owe to Mario Lemieux. Like it's not that there's yep. no other way to put it. But uh, definitely want to want to finish this off like we finish off every episode with a little segment I like to call "Quick Dishes." These okay. are rapid fire questions, some hockey related, some not so much, and uh, we'll finish with a bonus one put in the comment section by Nick Horwat, who we both know and Uh love Uh but uh we'll start this off with better fall holiday halloween or thanksgiving halloween you know me easy oh yeah (laughs) i I can elaborate if you want but halloween i got michael myers over my shoulder right on the window seal there you can see that yeah i was about to say i could see that in the corner so i I, I kind of knew the the answer to the question but uh secondly what position would you play if you were in the national hockey league uh, when my hockey career in general, I was always, I started as a defenseman and actually I played goal whenever I was really young, transitioned to D and then to this day, whenever I play winger, I would, I would be on the right wing. Uh, I actually prefer left wing though. Cause you can just kind of post up and use my right-handed shot to bury those one-time passes. So, uh, uh probably a left winger. The one-timer was always elusive for me on the ice. So I'll say, <laughs> I'll go on the right. You can take the left if we yep. ever get on a line together. Uh, what is your favorite show of all time, Mets? Oh, man. Uh, I love the show Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watch it anytime I, I still get a chance to run into it today. Friends I loved. Uh, we've been watching Big Bang Theory again here in our house. So that's a great mm-hmm. show. But uh, my, I would say those were just a quick – Scrubs always comes to mind as my number one. But uh, mm-hmm. I would also say uh, the show Hannibal – which was the a series that was out for a while based on Hannibal Lecter. Uh, that was a really cool show that I wish they continued with because they were just catching up to Silence of the Lambs when they killed it and it went away. And there's rumors all the time that they're going to bring it back because Mads Mikkelsen, this is blasphemous, but was a better Hannibal Lecter, I think, at times than Anthony Hopkins, wow. which is crazy. I that mean, is- both, both are excellent. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But, but Mads was awesome as Hannibal. That definitely falls into the hot take category. For sure. <laughs> it is. Yep. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to throw a hot take your way. <laughs> I, I, if one thing I knew about you, Mets, it is that you're not afraid of a hot take. <laughs> but we have a couple more here to go. Other than the Penguins, what other team do you like to watch? Um, I well, Believe it or not, I was always a Sabres fan. So I, I not to the point where I really suffered with their fans when they've sucked for so long now, but mm-hmm. I always did like them. I was a big Pat LaFontaine guy. I liked Alex Mogilny, um, watching that era. Uh, and 
it's kind of funny. It transitions into Mario talk, watching Mario come back and chase down LaFontaine. It was win-win for me because I was thrilled to see Patty LaFontaine do well while Mario was out with his cancer treatment. But then, of course, the fact that Mario ran him down like the dog he was was fine with me uh, in the scoring race. But I would say that that team. Um, and then if I get a chance now, I love just watching different Western Conference teams because you don't see them in person a lot. So I like to catch their games. I'm a night owl anyway. So to stay up late, watch watch the Sharks play, watch the Kings play, Edmonton, um, teams like that. But generally my favorites when I was – like if I was going to root for a team that wasn't the Penguins, I always liked the Sabres. La- well, penultimate question. I always keep for- – I almost forgot about Horwats. But penultimate question, what would you rather do, golf with Mario Lemieux or fish with Sidney Crosby? Ooh. Um, I suck at golf. I've only golfed like twice in my life. So I'm going to go fishing with Sid because at least I might be able to hang in there. And if I don't catch anything, it doesn't look bad. Because sometimes you don't catch anything, but mm-hmm. it would be very obvious, very obvious if I stunk playing golf with Mario. So fish with Sid. That's back-to-back episodes where we've gotten along the same answer for that one. <laughs> Doug Gladkey was on the show two weeks ago and he says, I'm so bad at golf. I just don't want to anger Mario Lemieux with how bad I would slow him down. <laughs> so fishing with Sidney Crosby, which I loved you, it. You got to play in a scramble so that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't ever have to like let Mario drive. And maybe some other guy chips onto the green. And then when you have that like one inch putt left, then I can go knock it in. There you go. Perfect, <laughs> perfect setup right there. Yep. And I have to ask the last one. Well, I knew Horowitz was going to jump in with something like this. He wants to know, Metsy, what's the next concert? Uh, as a matter of fact, I am planning to go see Batushka at the Preserving the Underground in New Kensington a couple Sundays from now. Uh, which I forgot that I bought a ticket to because they announced it so long ago. And I remember checking the hockey schedule and it worked out because I'm entering high, high season of not being able to do anything else, but Mm -hmm. do cover, cover hockey games. So um, we squeezed in all those shows. I saw Nick a few times down at AE and uh, that's why he's asking. I guarantee. Plus he knows Mm -hmm. I go, but that's the next one. Batushka, which is this really crazy um, black metal type band, but they're playing up in new Kensington of all places in Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, which 99% 99% of the time you're at Mr. Smalls or something, but I'll be having to make the long trek up to uh, New Ken to see this one, but a couple Sundays from now. Yep. It never fails. Almost every time <laughs> that I know Horwath's working at stage AE, it's, Hey, I ran into Mets. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, he worked some really good shows this summer. That's he why. does. Yeah. He was he at, he was at good ones. No, he was at high Lung. I saw him at anthrax. Uh, the BLS. So that, that anthrax BLS show was awesome. So hate breed opened it up and, Hatebreed with the awesome Pittsburgh shirt that night, too. They always put out a Pittsburgh shirt. Uh, this one had a Penguin, Pirate, and Steeler logo, so kind of morphed into one, and they do a nice job. But, yeah, it's always fun to run into Nick uh, at the building. I think one night he was at the door. He's upstairs. He's everywhere. He's practically running the place now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say he's running the place. The last <laughs> time I saw him there, he was holding a puke bag. So a little bit of everything. For, for it wasn't mine, I promise. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Mets, thank you so much for joining us here on Penguins Lunch. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media and what they can expect from you on the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, Brian underscore Metzer on Twitter. As always, you can follow me there. Uh, I believe that's my handle on Instagram as well, where you can see kind of a look into my life of these concerts and uh, check out my cats and everything else that I post there. Penguins Radio Network will be more of the same this year. We got the intermission reports, Post-game show, Saturday mornings on 105.9 The X. We have Penguins Live weekly for you. Um, I'll probably be doing some pre-games this year because Stag already told me he has to miss some games. And we usually – we have a really good crew. Uh, we kind of all fill in for each other and juggle around. And 
of course, I'll be popping up a couple different places, writing some articles and, and doing some of that, but nothing really concrete to tell you about in that regard. So it's a lot of Penguins Radio Network, but find me on those socials and I'll keep you up to date there. And we definitely need to not wait 10 months before we get you back on either Please this don't. program or yeah. tip of the iceberg. So you will be hearing from Brian Metzer on this platform once again, probably sometime early in the season. But Metz, yep. thank you one last time for joining me. Really appreciate your time. No problem, Nick. Thanks for being on here. And uh, Nick, thanks for coming in with the question too from the peanut gallery. Both of you. Thanks. You do a great job. I look forward to interacting with you guys this season.